listening to the Long Hollow Young Adults Podcast. We are the Young Adults Ministry at Long Hollow Church, located in Hendersonville, Tennessee. If you are interested in learning more about us or looking to attend one of our gatherings, you can follow us on Instagram at LHYoungAdults or visit longhollow.com for more information. And now, a message from our Young Adults Pastor, Dylan Young. And tonight we're going to continue a conversation that we started the last time we gathered. Um, and, to, and to set up this conversation, has anybody, if you've come to the faith in Christ, like, I hope you would raise your hand and say like, man, I want to be more like Christ today than I was yesterday. And that's the process that we're talking about tonight. We all want to learn. We all want to grow in our faith as Christians. And man, we need somebody to help us do it. It's hard to do just on our own, Right. And I know when I, when I walked on to play football at UTC, I know, you know, it's my, it's my glory days. It's about all the stories I've got. But I walked on to play football and I was eager to play. Like I was ready to get there. And I knew the problem for me was going to be that I was small for my position. I knew everybody else that was on our offensive line was going to be bigger than me. So the way for me to get on the field was to be smarter than everybody. So I came into this fall camp knowing like, I've got to be better than everybody studying the playbook and studying film. And I need to know better than everybody else on the team, what's going on on the field if I want to play. And I remember very vividly, uh, the problem when I got there was that nobody else really seemed to feel that way. And even I got to practice one day and we ran some play. I don't remember what it was anymore, but our coach is yelling at one of the other guys. He's referring to me and he's like, Bro, the little guy knows what he's doing. Why can't you get your act together? And I'm like, I think that's a compliment. I've never been referred to as the little guy before. I'm not sure how to take that, but thanks, coach, right? Um, It became even more apparent to me, like people just weren't into the details, didn't really care as much. Whenever I asked one of our seniors, a guy in front of me at at the position I was playing, asked him a question about a play we were running, and he just totally ignored me, like didn't even acknowledge I had asked a question, said nothing. And I knew in that moment I was done. Like I was going to quit that team as soon as the season ended. And there was no camaraderie. There was no upperclassmen pouring into the younger guys. And as you can imagine, we were terrible. We were one at 11 and I quit the day the season ended. I was done with that. Y'all, that can't happen in this room. We can't invite people into this family, into this church family, like we just sang about. We can't invite people into Christ and then not show them the way afterwards. Like when we introduce somebody to Christ, when they're starting to try to follow Jesus for the first time, man, they need us to take them under their wing. They gotta have somebody to show them the way, right? And that's exactly what we're gonna get to tonight. Because the, the last time, if you remember, and you can go back and, and listen on the podcast if you need to, to catch up, but... We talked about this call that Jesus puts on all of our lives of disciple-making. When he calls the disciples to follow him, he's calling them into disciple-making. And that's this big umbrella term, if you will, that has evangelism that we talked about last week, and it has discipleship underneath it. Those are two very specific things, and we need them both. And tonight we're going to focus on that second piece, which is discipleship. So what do we do whenever somebody has decided to follow Jesus? What do we do? in that situation. And, and as, we, as we think through this conversation, I, I want you to realize like making disciples is how we build the kingdom. That making disciples of Jesus, like that's how we build the kingdom of Jesus. That's the plan. We said last week, y'all are plan A and there is no plan B. The plan is to make disciples and we trust God to build the kingdom. So open back up to Mark one with me. 
We're going to be in the same passage we were in last time. Mark 1, we're going to start in verse 16. Mark's towards the back of your Bible. The big numbers are the chapters, the little numbers are the verses that help us stay organized. Mark 1, verse 16 is where we're starting. It says this, talking about Jesus, as he passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother, casting a net into the sea. So we talked last time that casting is this picture of evangelism. It's this picture of we're getting the gospel out there and hoping God might draw people in. There's the evangelism piece. For they were fishermen. Verse 17, follow me, Jesus told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, putting their nets in order. We talked about this is this picture of discipleship. So we, we fish and we hope to see God draw people into himself. And then once we get them, there's this mending process. There's this putting together process that happens for people on the back end of it. Immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. So that's, that's the mission God calls these people in with. And then he reiterates it when we go to the Great Commission. Jesus is about to leave for good. He bookends his time with the disciples with this same command of disciple making. See what he says here. Matthew 28, verse 18. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. You see the evangelism piece and the discipleship piece there. We make disciples, we introduce people to Christ, and then we show them how to live. We teach them to obey everything God has commanded. So as we're going to think about discipleship in the 21st century, we're going to kind of take a survey of the whole Bible to see what discipleship looked like throughout Scripture, and then we'll talk about what it looks like for us today. So the first question we need to answer is just, man, what is discipleship? Like, what, what is discipleship as we look at the whole of scripture. And I think if we want a really simple definition, we can really just say discipleship is inviting others to follow me as I follow Jesus. And that's actually biblical. Like that's not an arrogant thing to say if you invite somebody to follow you as you follow Jesus. Paul says it in 1 Corinthians. He says, imitate me as I also imitate Christ. That's what we're doing when we, when we invite people into this discipleship process saying, man, I'm trying to follow Jesus too. I'm a little bit ahead of you. I've been a believer for a little bit longer. Why don't you follow me while I follow Jesus and we'll both be following Jesus at the same time. That's what discipleship can look like in its simplest form. And, and here's what's gonna happen. When you start to live with that kind of disciple-making, discipleship mindset, you're gonna see it all over scripture. And you're gonna realize that this has been the plan all along. This has been the story that you've been reading in scripture the whole time. Even back to the beginning, you know the story. Adam was supposed to disciple Eve and we said that he had some flaws in the way he did that. They go on, God tells them to be fruitful and multiply. I think, yes, he's talking about literally having children, passing on their physical DNA, but there's also this passing on of spiritual DNA too. Like I mean, we're gonna disciple our children and teach them to follow God as well. Deuteronomy 6, four and five teaches us we ought to be talking about scripture all day long with our families. The prophet Ezra in Ezra 7.10, he says he's determined to do three things, to study the law of the Lord, to teach it, and to obey it. So he's the, he's the disciple himself, he's obeying the word, but he's also teaching other people how to do it. Moses disciples Joshua and is gonna pass on the responsibility of the kingdom to him. He teaches him how to do it as his assistant along the way. And we see Joshua doesn't do as good of a job as Moses did 
And it says, there arose a generation that didn't know the Lord. And then I want you to read this one with me in 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. It just says this, count the number of generations that you see here in this spiritual family, if you will. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust a faithful man who will be able to teach others also. So what you have heard from me, there's two. I want you to entrust a faithful man who will be able to teach others also. There's at least four generations there. Paul had to get it from somewhere. He got it from Jesus. So I would argue there are five generations of discipleship happening in this one verse. This is a story all along. And somehow we miss it sometimes. I think this might convince you if you're not convinced already. I want you to think about how many times the word Christian and the word disciple are used in the New Testament. So I want you to give me a number. How many times do you think the word disciple is used to describe followers of Jesus in the New Testament? Give me a number. 300, I heard four. I don't know if that was four or 400. Um, okay, good guesses. Okay, how, how many times do you think the word Christian is used to describe, disciple, to describe followers of Jesus in the New Testament? Two, what we got? We got a really low number. Okay, okay, here's the thing. In the New Testament, the word disciple is used to describe followers of Jesus 276 times. The word Christian is used three times. And two of those, it's in a negative connotation where essentially people are making fun of them for being little Christ. I don't think there's anything wrong with the word Christian but it does make me wonder if it would change things if we thought of ourselves more as disciples, if that's the word we use to describe ourselves. Because I don't know about you, that word feels like it has more weight to it to me. It feels like there's more devotion in a sense in that word. Christian has become almost too easy to throw out there, right? Yeah, we're disciples of Jesus. And a disciple, that word just literally means learner. So a disciple is somebody who is constantly learning and growing. A disciple is somebody who's consumed with this pursuit of the one they're following. We're trying to learn and grow in the way the one we're following, how they did things. A disciple is somebody that's determined to live the way that his or her leader does. And a disciple is somebody who's determined to make more disciples. So if we are followers of Jesus, then we need to know how he did this. If we're gonna to try to do things the way he did, then let's see how did, how did Jesus go about discipleship? So what was Jesus's method? And the, the big 30,000 foot view of this is that he had three main groups of people that he spent time with. So he had the large crowds. You see that the feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000. You see when he's preaching to, he says he has big crowds following him. So he's got that piece. He also has this smaller group of people that we know as the disciples. There are 12 of them. And then he has, within those, th those 12 disciples, he's got three guys that he spends more time with than anybody else, at least that we see in Scripture. Peter, James, and John had some experiences with Jesus that the other guys didn't have. And I think Mark 4, 34 gives us a little bit of a glimpse into what this looked like, how it played out. So Jesus has just been teaching parables to the crowd. And parables, right, they're stories that teach us a truth. And sometimes we got to work through those stories, and that's intentional on Jesus' part. So he's been teaching parables and the people are, they're having to discuss it and figure it out. They don't just get it on, on the first hearing. But here's what he says he goes and does with the disciples after he's taught the crowds these parables. Mark 4.34 says, privately, however, he explained everything to his own disciples. And I wonder if what's happening here is I'm gonna teach the big crowd something and I'm gonna let them wrestle with it. But then I'm gonna come to the side and I'm gonna teach the 12. I'm gonna give them the insight on it. 
and I'm going to trust those 12 to go out and reach the crowd. I'm going to trust those 12 to go find 12 more and then to find 12 more. And eventually the crowd is reached, right? I think that's a glimpse into how Jesus did things. And, and there's actually a book that goes into detail on this. It's by a man named Robert Coleman. It's a book called The Master Plan of Evangelism. And I, I think it's an important enough book that we're walking through it with all of our, our volunteers right now. I can't recommend enough you going and buying this book. It is $7 on Amazon. If you don't have $7, I will Venmo you $7. I'm willing to skip Ford's next meal for you to have this book. I'll do that for you. I'd sacrifice that for you guys. $7. Here's what he does in this book. He walks through the progression that Jesus took with his disciples to get them ready to take on the whole responsibility of the kingdom. And here's how he did it. And this really works any area of life. It's not complicated. But listen to the progression that Jesus walks through. The first part of it is, and write this stuff down. Jesus works and the disciples watch. First part of it, Jesus works and the disciples watch. You can see it in Matthew 8 and 9. He starts healing diseases and other physical ailments. He's doing all sorts of miracles. He's casting out demons. He's uh, calming the storm. And the disciples are there to see it all. They see it all. Jesus works and the disciples watch. Then Jesus works and the disciples help. The easiest example of this is those feedings of the 5,000 and the 4,000. So Jesus is working a miracle in those moments, but he's doing it literally through the disciples' hands. So he's letting them have a hand in what's going on. They're helping with this kingdom work. Jesus works, the disciples help. Then there's kind of a handoff that starts to happen. And what we see is that the disciples work and Jesus helps. An example of this would be Matthew 17. The disciples, they're trying to cast out a demon and they can't do it. Jesus has to come along and help them. So they're, they're learning. Jesus is starting to take the training wheels off in a sense. The disciples work, Jesus helps. And then finally, the disciples work and Jesus watches. Luke 10 gives us an example of Jesus sending out the disciples, actually 72 of them at the time. And they come back and they're reporting to Jesus all that God's doing through them. And at this point, Jesus is, he's really starting to take his hands off of the ministry and eventually we know he leaves, right? So that's the progression he uses. Let's focus in a little bit more on how Jesus did this like day by day with his disciples. What did this look like for them? And what I would tell you is this was all consuming for the disciples. Like we see in this passage, they left everything they had to follow Jesus. And it was all day, every day, they're with Jesus. They're living life on the road with Jesus. They're seeing all the miracles he's doing, his interactions with the spiritual leaders, the great questions he asks, all the healings. They're, they're seeing all of it. They're right there helping him do it. This is for three years, they get Jesus up close and personal. It was, it was a big deal to get to follow a rabbi like we talked about last time, and they didn't miss a second of it. Now, call me crazy, but I don't think we need to reinvent the discipleship wheel when Jesus is the one who invented it. So how do we possibly try to pull this off in 2023? How do we, can I just drop everything and go follow somebody? It looks a little bit different for us today, but what I want you to hear tonight is, especially if you are in college right now or you are working and just out of high school and you're single, you will never get closer to the type of discipleship Jesus did than you can be right now. I want you to realize that you have the gift of time right now. Even when you start dating somebody, right? Like some of your time is spoken for, especially when you get married, when you get out of college and you have a job that you have to answer for. Like you can't skip 
your job. You can skip class if you want to. You can't skip just going to work and keep your job. When you're starting to move into this next phase of life that you're gonna be in, once you've graduated college and once you start to get married and having kids, those are all great things. I hope you see that in my life, that I'm not telling you not to get married and have kids. But they, they take up your time. They require your time. And that's good things for that. But man, if you wanna get somebody and say, hey, can I follow you and watch how you follow Jesus? Now's the time to do it and set yourself up for the rest of your life to be a resilient follower of Jesus. So, and some of you tonight need to consider like, what am I doing with my time? You have more time than you realize right now, I promise you. What am I gonna spend it on? Am I gonna get to age 28 and be like, man, I wasted that age 18 to 22. I could have really followed somebody. Like I, I would give so much to be able to go back to college and, and have more than one year following this guy named Jason Morris. That guy taught me so much just in a year. Man, I wish I had more than just a year to do that. Y'all don't, don't waste the time that you have right now. Find somebody and ask them to show you how to follow Jesus well. Um, just lock in with somebody and I promise you won't regret it. It's gonna set you up well for the rest of your life if you'll be serious about it right now. So who's qualified to disciple others? Maybe you're sitting in a place where you're saying, man, I think I'm, I might be ready to disciple some other people. Or you might be sitting here thinking like, that sounds terrifying. I am not qualified. I sure don't know enough of the Bible. I've not been in church long enough. Um, and I would just tell you, I get it. Uh, I get those feelings because I've, I've felt them too at times. And here's, here's a, a way to kind of picture this in your head. I, when I lived in Chattanooga, I worked at the YMCA. I was a trainer and every week we had people put on our calendars that would use their, they got two free 30 minute sessions and your job was to sell them on buying some personal training in those two free sessions. And I was terrible at selling people on stuff. I'm like, you don't want personal training? Okay, your choice. Uh, but, so we didn't know these people when we were sitting down with them to begin with. And there was a guy I met with in the lobby one day. We're chatting, just small talk to begin with. And I said, hey, I see, it says you've had a surgery recently here. Like, what was your injury? I can, I mean, we can work through an injury. He said, yeah, I'm just trying to get back in shape. Uh, recently, about a month ago, I had a, a heart transplant. I'm like, a heart transplant? Like a heart transplant is not an injury. I don't know how you categorize that. That's not an injury. Like I can handle if you've broken your ankle and had surgery, I can handle if you've got a shoulder messed up or your back hurts, like I can work with that. But a heart transplant is not an injury. And I'm like looking around like, who picked me for this guy? Like I am, me and my little online certification are not qualified to rehab this guy's heart. Like I'm, I'm like, dude, you have, somebody's heart is now your heart. Like this is, I can't do this. I can't handle this part. I am not qualified for this. And, and maybe that's how some of you feel about leading other people spiritually. And what I would encourage you with is this, that person that's a little bit newer to the faith than you are, what they're actually dealing with is a spiritual heart transplant. They've got this whole new heart. They're trying to live a whole new way. They've got all these new affections toward Jesus and they wanna learn how to live with that. And listen, you are perfectly qualified to do it because you have had the same procedure on your heart. You've had the same heart transplant. You used to have a heart of stone and now you have this heart of flesh I mean, you can show somebody else how to do it. If you'll step up and lead, like you can do this. You can invite somebody to follow Jesus, to follow you as you follow Jesus. 
You can do it, guys. I hope you hear my heart in that. Like, you can do it. It's not as complicated as it may seem. And, and I want you to remember, Jesus doesn't just leave us hanging here, right? Remember the end of the Great Commission. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So the one who has all the authority and all the power is also the one who's with us at all times. And when you've got Jesus on your side, when you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you, you, you can show somebody else how to live this life. <laughs> would you actually, this hit me while I was writing today, would you actually believe what our benediction, I say it hit me, this is from my sermon prep team, give credit where it's due. Um, would you actually believe our benediction that we recite at the end every week? That Jesus will equip you with everything good to do his will. Like if you feel the Lord leading you to disciple somebody, he's gonna equip you to do that. Would you actually believe what we're saying every time we get together? And here's the cool thing, y'all. When you help somebody else follow Jesus, the person who benefits the most is gonna be you. Like I can't tell you how much I've grown by just trying to lead some other people because of the, the standard, the tone that you're the one responsible for setting now. You, you gotta be the one that's on top of things, right? When you have that accountability that comes from leading other people, it's gonna benefit you even more than it benefits the people that you're trying to lead. So how do I go about making disciples? What do I actually do with what may, I hope you feel the Lord leading you to jump into this disciple making process. The first thing you need to do is just determine where you are. Like, do you, have you never had somebody truly disciple you in this setting where for me, when I was introduced to it, it was me, Jason, and one other student. There's three of us getting together every week. There's three of us, that was our group. That was what discipleship looked like for me. Do you need to be in a group like that? Do you need somebody to lead you and show you how to disciple somebody else, show you how to live? That's probably a lot of you. Um, but that also means we need people that are in the second boat who feel like, hey, I think I'm ready. If you'll help me, I think I'm ready to disciple some other people. And that's what I hope you'll hear me saying is, we'll walk alongside you as you do this. Like if, the, if you're somebody who thinks, man, I think I could be ready to lead somebody, please let us know that. And we will walk with you every step of the way. That's my job is to help you disciple others, right? That's what I'm here to do. So please don't feel like we're, we're kicking you out on an island to figure out how to do this by yourself. That's, that's what we want to do. So what can this look like practically? Discipleship can look like a lot of different things in the church. I think it's helpful if we have a specific tangible idea of what we're shooting for here. And here at Long Hollow, we, we call them discipleship groups. D groups is probably what you hear them call a lot of the time. And what we mean by that is you getting a few guys or a few girls together and you're getting together on a weekly basis and you're doing just a few things. You're practicing these spiritual disciplines together. Here, please hear how simple this is. When you get together, you're gonna to do some scripture memory together so that we got the word of God implanted in our mind and in our heart. We're gonna be reading something together throughout the week and we're gonna journal as we go and then talk about our journals when we get there. We're gonna ask each other accountability questions. because We want to actually move past sin. We don't wanna just sit in the same sin forever, right? And then we're gonna to pray together. It's not so complicated. And I trust if you will spend time working towards that group throughout the week, man, God's gonna honor that. And he's gonna help you live this life following Jesus well because you, you know you've got these guys or girls waiting on you every week that are gonna ask you how you've been throughout the week. And it's not a place to condemn each other or anything like that. It's a place to push each other. And here, here's the thing with it. A discipleship group can be really simple, 
but it is also, this is a deeper level of commitment than anything else you've probably been involved in. So this is the place where I want you to say, if you, if you get to the point where you're in a discipleship group, you're leading one, you don't miss it if it is at all possible. Because we're, what we're saying is, I'm gonna trust that God over these next 12 to 18 months, however long your group is together, I'm gonna trust that God is gonna put me in a spiritual greenhouse for me to grow. And I don't wanna miss that. So if it's at all possible, you're at the group, no matter what time of day you're meeting, no matter what, sleepy is not an excuse to miss a group like this. And that's, that's, God has a higher standard for us than that, I would say. Um, and then the cool thing is on the back end, the expectation is that you're gonna go lead some other people yourself at some point. We don't just stay in this group forever and sit in our holy huddle. Like we're gonna go turn around and disciple some other people. That's where this multiplication process comes in. That's how disciple making builds the kingdom. That's how it builds. That's how it grows. We're drawing people in. God's drawing people into this church, into his kingdom, and we build them up to send them back out to make more disciples. And I hope you can see how that's how we can reach Sumner County. That's how we can reach the Nashville area. That's how we can reach Middle Tennessee and beyond. It's through this disciple-making process. Now, a disclaimer. I'm well aware that I just gave you like two paragraphs on a process that our church has literally a whole ministry devoted to. It's, it doesn't feel uh, to you probably like it's as simple as two paragraphs. I get that. Like I said, that's what we're here for. Please use us. We want to help you along the way to disciple others. So don't, don't shy away from it just because you feel like you don't know what you're doing. Hear me, this is what my group looks like right now. It can be this easy. We, are, we meet on Thursday mornings at 6.30 at Legacy Coffee. I got two other guys that are in there with me. Right now we are memorizing Psalm 19. We recite that to each other. We are reading through the four gospels this summer. Over an eight week span, we're reading through the gospels, one or two chapters a day. We're journaling about that, talking about when we get together. And then we have some accountability questions we ask each other and pray. That's it. Like God, God works through the process of those spiritual disciplines. It's simple, but it's profound at the same time. And I, I love going to that group, but I'm really looking forward to the day where they're discipling some other people. Or I walk into the coffee shop and see them meeting with some other guys. That's the really fun part of this. I hope it's something that you'll be drawn to. Hear me, disciple making can happen no matter where you live, no matter what your job is, no matter how much you make, no matter what school you go to, disciple making is recession proof, it is inflation proof, and we have proof now that it is global pandemic proof. You can do this anywhere, anytime, but is it essential? Like this sounds good, Dylan, but is it really, like is it on the same level as evangelism? Is it on the same level as telling new people about Jesus? Shouldn't we spend our time focused on getting new people into the kingdom rather than spending our time just studying the word together? My answer for that, I get the question and you'll hear people ask that question. I get the question. I don't think we can have one without the other. I think discipleship on the back end of evangelism is absolutely essential. And I hope you agree with me anyways, but I want to give you an example and a picture to hold on to as we close. Here's the example. A few of you, which I'm very, very proud of you for this story, were at Buffalo Wild Wings a, a couple of weeks ago and decided going into it that you were gonna share the gospel with your waiter or waitress. And the lady that they had there through this conversation actually realized she had started following Jesus recently. And actually, lo and behold, had come to Long Hall a few times. 
So this is the part I'm super proud of because this is not something I taught anybody. This is just y'all doing it on your own. They shifted the conversation to a discipleship conversation. The, the evangelism piece appears to be taken care of. Let's move on to discipleship. And they were talking about, so reading the Bible, where do we start? Where do I begin with that? And they suggested reading the book of John so that she could just get to know the story of Jesus, the life of Jesus. This is, that's a great place to start. And her response, and do not laugh at this response. This, if you laugh at this, you have forgotten what it was like when you first started. Her response was, okay, I read John. Where do I find that? Is that a separate thing? She said, is it on Amazon? Y'all, that's incredible. Like that is a blank slate new believer that we get the opportunity to welcome into the church and put her under our wing and show her what it's like to follow Jesus. I love it. Like seeing somebody who is no, so new to the faith that they're, that they're trying to figure out what the book of John is. That is so cool. And they actually met her uh, Sunday at church that next, the next Sunday after that. She had a daughter who's y'all's age, who hopefully at some point, she may be here tonight, I don't know. Um, yeah, that's beautiful. And I want you to think about what would have happened if they'd been like, oh, well, she's a believer. Okay, we're good. We can just talk about our food again. I mean, she might still be floundering. Like, she might still be really struggling to figure out what it's like to follow Jesus. Where do I even start? Like, this is a big deal to totally change your life and start following Jesus. It's really hard to just figure out on your own. And listen, the last place we want her to just go, because where are you going to go if you're trying to learn something? YouTube. You're going to go to the internet. I would much rather somebody learn something from you guys than just go to the internet, right? Much better option. So please hear me. We've got to invite that person to follow us as we follow Jesus. And here's the picture I wanna leave you with. We are going to the beach next week and that's pretty much our family's happy place. Um, we go there and it's so fun with our boys right now. They like the water, they're more interested in being in the sand and playing in the sand, right? And Ford loves building right now. He is all into magnetiles. We had a construction themed birthday party a few years ago. Bob the Builder was playing the whole time we were there. And he loves building with Legos. And he's, this, he would sit there and build something all day long if we'd let him. And here's what, this is the picture that popped into my head as I've been dreaming about the beach the last few weeks. It's just this. We're probably gonna build some sandcastles next week. And I want you to think about the sandcastle building process. If I fill this bucket up with sand, I'm all ready to make some sandcastles. We're gonna build this whole fortress. We've dug the moat. We're ready to put the castle in the middle. I fill it up with sand. When I turn that bucket over and I pick it up, what's gonna happen? It's gonna collapse, right? It has no structure to it. It's just gonna be a little pile of sand there. There will be no castle. What's the ingredient that was missing? We need some water. Okay, so this next time, we're gonna fill the bucket up with water first, and then we're gonna dump some sand in on the back end. We're gonna fill it up and fill it up and fill it up so that this sand is as saturated as it could possibly be. I'm even gonna let it sit in the sun for a second, harden a little bit, and this is gonna be like concrete when I turn over the bucket. Not going anywhere. So I turn over the bucket, I'll pick it up. What happens this time? It's stuck in the bucket. It's still there, shaking, and it's just mush in there that won't come out, right? It's stuck inside those walls of the bucket. So what we gotta do? We gotta get the perfect combination, right? We mix a little sand, we mix some water, we get this blend going in there. 
when you get the right blend, you're gonna turn this bucket over and you're gonna pick it up and you got a castle right there. Here's the cool thing that you can do at that point. You can trust that castle. You can go build another castle and put it on the left. And then you can go build another castle and you can put it on the right. And pretty soon what you're looking at is a whole kingdom. You got a whole kingdom in front of you when you build it the right way. Friends, evangelism and discipleship are wonderful in and of themselves. But if we go about and share the gospel with everybody we know, invite them into the church, and then we never teach them how to live, man, they're in real danger of their faith collapsing. We gotta show them how to live. And if we only do discipleship, if we, if we circle up and we study the Bible and we pour in knowledge and we pour in knowledge and we pour in knowledge, Eventually, we're going to be years down the road and we're going to realize that we were so stuck inside the walls of the church that nobody outside it even knows the name of Jesus. We can't afford either of those scenarios. We've got to have both to build the kingdom. We've got to go tell people about Jesus and we've got to go show them how to follow him on the back end. We can't afford, there's too much at stake for us to risk just doing one or the other, to stay just in whichever one you're most comfortable with. We gotta step in out of our comfort zone and do both. So man, when you hear Jesus call you, when he tells you those two words, follow me, and you answer that call, man, would you answer the call to make disciples and build the kingdom in the process? Let's pray. Father, thank you that you even gave us discipleship ourselves by sending your son. You had given us your word, and then you sent us your son to show us how to live. That's, you started the whole process, God. I pray that we would believe that that is our call, that we would take seriously the process of showing new believers how to follow you. And I pray that even tonight, you would show people where they're at in that process, that you would show them if they need to go follow somebody or if they need to step up and start leading some others. God, would you open up our calendars so that we can fill it up with things that honor you, with things that help us grow, and would be, we be mindful of the time that we spend on everything? But would you help us to get out of in front of the TV, to get off of our phones, and to spend time following somebody who's following you, or showing somebody how to follow us while we follow you? Lord, don't let us be satisfied with normal Christianity, with getting saved and then just waiting until we die. Don't let us be satisfied with that, Lord. Would you convict us and encourage us tonight to step into this discipleship process and we will trust you to build your kingdom on the back end. We pray it all in Jesus' name.